Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Hey there, welcome to another Private Club Radio. So good to have you. Thank you for spending your time with us. I truly value the time. Every minute we have is precious. And thank you so much for spending it here on Private Club Radio. I have a great show for you today, and I will not let you down for spending that time with us. We're going to be speaking with Brad Steele, who is the head counsel at the National Club Association. Going to find out a little bit about that Affordable Health Care Act repeal and replace that President Trump and our Congress has been trying to push through. Obviously, you've probably heard the news that it's not happening. So we're going to find out from Brad where that leaves the club industry and what is headed down the pike here. This episode is also going to feature Mr. Ricky Potts, who is the director of marketing down at Tiburon in Naples. And Ricky and I actually had a really nice conversation as we were playing a round of golf. So this is a first for Private Club Radio, where we're going to do a live interview right from the golf course as Ricky and I were playing. You'll find out a little bit about Troon, what they're doing in terms of digital marketing, what Ricky has in terms of his plans for his future. We'll learn a little bit about what he thinks is important for clubs to know about digital marketing and social media. And we just have a really good conversation here. So stay tuned for that one. And now it's time for Club Perspectives, presented by the National Club Association. Well, I'm joined again here by Brad Steele of the National Club Association. Brad, first question for you today there was a big shakeup in Washington just a couple of weeks ago on the repeal and replace of Obamacare. Can you tell us what's gone down and where that leaves the private club industry? Sure. Well, it was a really unfortunate and, and relatively discouraging uh, uh, sort of turn of events that took place uh, really within about a, say, about a 20 or 24 hour period. As, uh, as you and your listeners certainly know, the National Club Association was exceptionally supportive of the American Health Care Act. That particular piece of legislation would have repealed a significant number of those uh, aspects of Obamacare that were really the most onerous for private clubs. It would have repealed taxes not only on clubs that increased their premiums, but also uh, health insurance premiums, but also uh, repealed taxes that um, uh, directly affected private club members. In addition, and probably most importantly, uh, the particular legislation, the American Health Care Act, would have phased out the penalty on the employer mandate. And the employer mandate had such aspects to it, like classifying an employee working 30 hours or more per week as full-time, which for most of the club industry is just a a ludicrous, and any business industry, a ludicrous determination of full-time. It also required folks and clubs to determine if they had 50 or more full-time or full-time equivalents in the last year. So they had to really always go back and review what were the hours of employees to see if they even fall under. Obamacare, and that was even more difficult for smaller clubs, clubs that were close to that threshold, on that threshold, are the ones who really had to do the work. The larger clubs knew they were over 50, so it wasn't really a problem. But boy, you can imagine the impact this had on smaller private clubs across the country. It even had requirements, did the employer mandate, of distinguishing between a seasonal worker and a seasonal employee. Mm -hmm. I mean, two of the exact same staffers for a club, but designated with two different names, two different legal definitions, and two different exemptions under the, the law. So we really had a long hope to see that uh, uh, the American Health Care Act passed because it was so crucial 
to the success of private clubs getting out of the yoke of Obamacare. And unfortunately, as I say, that just did not take place. It didn't take place because the Speaker of the House needed a total of 216 out of the 237 Republican members of the House of Representatives. Now, you'd imagine if he's got 237 to play with, losing 21 probably isn't going to be likely, taking consideration that every single member of the House of Representatives, uh, Republican House, uh, uh, campaigned on repealing Obamacare. Right. And the American Health Care Act specifically did just that. It removed the most onerous aspects of Obamacare. Didn't complete the job, didn't replace Obamacare, but the reality is that was the second and third phase of this particular repeal and replace process. But you have to, you know, the first step is the hardest, right? right. And that's what was what was to be done. So there wasn't a real uh, perspective that since 237 Republican members of the House of Representatives made the determination when they campaigned that they were going to get this bill through and begin the process of repealing Obamacare, that there wouldn't be at least 216 to vote yes. Well, surprise, lo and behold, <laughs> there, <laughs> there were not 216 <laughs> right. to vote yes. Uh, and, and really, it was twofold of how that happened. Number one, the House Freedom Caucus, uh, which is uh, predominantly made up of, of strongly conservative, formerly Tea Party text, enough already Tea Party members. Uh, they have about 29 or 30 of them at that time. And they were concerned that the legislation as it was created didn't do enough to lower health insurance premiums. So part of this is not just to get rid of the owner's taxes or the uh, regulations that the employer mandate required, but also to physically actually lower health insurance premiums. It's a good plan. We don't have a problem with that. But the difficulty is this wasn't the right venue for it, considering that it had to be done through what's called reconciliation. Reconciliation only allows for issues that deal with money coming into the federal government, so taxes, or money going out of the government, so spending. But lowering a private company's insurance premium isn't something that can actually go through the reconciliation process, though that was discussed to these 29 or so members of the House Freedom Caucus. They still didn't care. When the president and the Speaker of the House decided to sort of give them a little bit to provide the House Freedom Caucus with something that they needed to feel a little more comfortable with this bill, then, as you can well imagine, the yin and yang, the moderate Republicans out of those 237 started to get nervous. Well, gee, the bill is too conservative. We, we, we think it's, it's, it's doing too much too soon, too fast. We don't like it. So you had about 20. House moderates from the Republican Party who started to back away from the bill. At the end of the day, what we really had was about 17 or 18 House Freedom Caucus members who just weren't comfortable with the final resolution and about 19 House moderate Republicans who also weren't, weren't comfortable with the final resolution. And when you add them together, that's about 36 votes. Well, if you can only lose 21 and you can't expect any Democratic support, and there was no Democratic support. Minority Leader of the House, Nancy Pelosi, Democrat from California, former Speaker of the House, has, uh, has the Democratic caucus down on lockdown. There are no ifs, no ands, no buts. They will not do anything. There isn't one member, be it a very conservative member or a very, very liberal member of the Democratic Party in the House of Representatives, who will not do something without the blessing of Nancy Pelosi. And she made it clear that no one was going to help the Republicans as they started this first phase of repealing and replacing Obamacare. As such, guess what happened? Uh, you, you know, again, you lose 35 or 36 Republican members. You can't rely on any Democratic members. You only have 21 that you can lose. Uh, you know, the Speaker of the House did the math and said, well, 
we're over 21. If we're over 21 members who won't vote for this bill, then uh, this bill ain't going to pass. And if it isn't going to pass, then there's no reason for it to be uh, an actual vote. There's no reason for an actual vote to be held. Wow, so and, they don't even such. try to do it at that point then. <laughs> they just, they're Correct. just like, yeah. They pulled it. Literally mm-hmm. said, thank you very much. Uh, you know, we've gone through the amendment process. We've gone through the debate. Everything's super great. Let's do the head count. Not going to work. Fine. Let's uh, go to naming a post office. And that's what they did, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so Pulled the bill and that was that. What, what happens now? I mean, you, gotta, you guys have to get back to work up there. And, and where do you go from here? Yeah, that's the real, uh, that's the $64,000 question. Just recently, the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, as well as the director of the Office of Management and Budget, uh, broached the topic of sort of taking another bite at the apple. Uh, And indeed, my understanding is there are some discussions, uh, believe it or not, with uh, some of those moderate Republicans, some of the, uh, again, House Freedom Caucus members, sort of try and get get to to yes, as they say. And part of the reason that they can even begin these discussions, the administration can begin these discussions again, is because there's a little bit of sort of a, a buyer's remorse. The House Republican Freedom Caucus understood that they campaigned for repeal of Obamacare. Uh, this was their best and only shot to do so. It has to be done through the reconciliation process. Again, it therefore can only deal with money coming in or money going out of the federal government. Uh, as such, their additional requests I think they're looking at now sort of saying, oops, yeah, we can't do that. And even though we would like to stay ideologically convicted here, the reality is this is our best and potentially only shot to get this bill through. And it's not so much because you have to do it before you know the end of April. It's not that. It's because there is a limited amount of time on the congressional calendar for legislation to actually be done. I mean, for instance, they, they're coming up on a two-week Easter break, break. When they come back from that Easter break, they have one week before the government is no longer funded, and no one wants a shutdown of the federal government. Nope. Uh, so that's kind of important for them not to do. Uh, once they have the uh, government funded, they're going to have to deal with the debt ceiling and increasing that so that the government, again, can continue to pay its bills. Uh, additionally, they have to begin the process of tax, uh, fundamental tax reform. Fundamental, fundamental tax reform hasn't been accomplished in the United States in about uh, well over 30 years. It is a mind-numbingly long process. Uh, I know that members of Congress can walk and chew gum at the same time. However, the legislative energy that will go into tax reform doesn't leave a lot of time for them to be dealing with uh, other things like health care reform. At the same time, we've got to worry about the companion uh, chamber in the Congress, and that is the United States Senate. Obviously, they're in the process of finishing up the uh, Supreme Court nomination. Once that's completed, they'll also have to turn their attention toward uh, funding the government. And then there are additional requirements that that they have in terms of activities that the Senate has to complete uh, that all leads up to both chambers dealing with tax reform. So there's just that oh. it's a it's a fine amount of time yeah. to get it done. Right. So it was it's it's kind of now where those House Freedom Caucus members and even those moderates are saying, "Oops, mm-hmm. we, we really this was our best shot, and we really need to go back and look at this again." Right. So where are we now? Uh, well, they're in discussions, mm-hmm. and they uh, I think that the there isn't much that's going to change from what was first proposed under the American Healthcare Act, which is good for the private club industry. Mm-hmm. But now it's just again trying to get those members to yes and. And it's not so much that it's more horse trading as it is really explaining to them they're out of time and they have to move because once the president gets on tax reform, 
he's staying on tax reform. And, you know, I've just finished up a coalition meeting with uh, a number of trade associations that are dealing specifically in this space. And, you know, we're all saying the same thing. It must, there must be leadership from the president. Mm -hmm. He has to drive this train. Uh, there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So his time will be on tax reform, uh, though he appreciates and wants Obamacare repealed and replaced. You know, if once he pivots, he's pivoting. Yeah, he's got to he's got to have a win at this point. It sounds like, right? And that's part of it as well. Uh, and certainly, uh, I, I think interestingly, to even start to have any communication or discussion of a potential return to this repeal and replace of Obamacare um, it shows you that I think the president has learned a little bit about. You know, he's a businessman, but he, he's not as well versed in the way of Washington. Sure, and he's he's learned quickly that oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't. It can't happen as quickly as it used to happen in Trump Inc. Right. Uh, and and there are things that we may have to do to uh, to try and get people to yes. And uh, you know he's willing to give a little more time to it. Certainly, the vice president is willing to do so. Uh, the OMB director. The reason why we talk about the office of management and budget director is not because that's such an important position. It's because the person who's in it, former Representative Mick Mulvaney, Republican from South Carolina, who is a longtime member of South Carolina North Carolina Country Club, and uh, is a longtime golfer. Uh, is is a former founder of the House Freedom Caucus, so he's in there to try and cajole his former colleagues mm -hmm. to to get again to get to yes. Right. So it's uh, interesting to see because the president now has a desire to maybe put a little more push behind it, sure. and uh, and I think members of Congress are looking at it saying, "Wow, this is." The window is rapidly closing. Right, right. So where where are you going to shift your attention to as the NCA now? What what are the other issues that are on the horizon, Brad? Well, certainly we're, we're looking at what exactly tax reform is going to be. And, uh, you know, while we're still going to be engaged and involved with regard to, to any potential repeal and replace uh, for Obamacare, right now we are beginning the process of ensuring that there is a, a broader discussion about what exactly this tax uh, plan looks like, the reform looks like, and how it can impact private clubs. Obviously, we are ecstatic about the prospect of there being a reduction uh, down to three individual income tax rates, with the top rate being 33%. That will significantly assist and help many club members and uh, therefore directly impact the viability of private clubs across the United States. And probably more importantly, uh, it will also, at least the tax reform blueprint that the House Republicans presented, uh, it will also lower business tax rates. And by so doing, that will hopefully spur the economy. And when you know a rising tide floats all boats. So since most individual club members are your entrepreneurs, your businessmen, your lawyers, your doctors, uh, those folks are hopefully going to see a, a, a residual effect by the business tax rate going down yep. that allows the businesses to succeed, grow a little more, and then obviously uh, they get an opportunity to take some of that money and hopefully uh, come and play more golf, which would be a great thing or spend some time in an athletic club. Exactly. Those are the discretionary dollars we hear so much about. <laughs> yeah, extremely important. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and every, every one of your listeners certainly knows that that's the lifeblood, plain and simple. And it is directly, you know, I, it is those people. Those are the folks who yep. are going to be uh, directly benefited, uh, who will, you know, also directly benefit the economy of the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really where uh, I think a lot of the, the benefit is. Okay. We've got some concerns, certainly, because as the speaker has talked about this particular blueprint for tax reform, that there will be less and less of those special interest sort of tax breaks. I don't know that anyone really has a problem with regard to that, except when we start to think about what that potentially could mean. It could mean a potential cap on the mortgage interest uh, uh, deduction, could mean potential cap on health insurance deduction for businesses and therefore for your individual members of clubs. 
So that's something to take into consideration. We, we don't know the specifics yet, but we'll certainly take a look at that. Obviously, if the tax reform package lowers the overall tax liability for an individual member of a private club, then that's going to you know, increase dollars spent at the club. If that comes at a price of potentially lowering the mortgage interest uh, deduction that a, uh, a more wealthy individual may be entitled to, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what kind of a benefit that individual might get with a change in the, let's say, individual tax rate or with a change in the business rate. That, that offset uh, you know, is something we're, we're still looking at to see mm-hmm. if it's a, a worthwhile venture. But we think it will be, and uh, all, all indications suggest that there will be a, uh, uh, maybe, you know, potentially that means an increase when you start to think about, gee, I don't get the same kind of mortgage interest deduction. However, an overall decrease in my tax liability because my rate's lower. Right. So there, there could be a, a benefit there, and we just have to work through it. And mm-hmm. uh, again, that's what the speaker's hoping for. So we'll see. But that's what we're pivoting to next. Oh, that's very nice. That's very nice. Well, your conference is coming up here very shortly. It's just right around the corner next month in May. What's uh, what's the big thing that you're looking forward to most, Brad? Well, we're really excited about what's happening with regard to the National Club Conference. And as you and your members certainly know, uh, we are going to be in New York City uh, and a, a great venue for anything to, to, to take place in, yep. in that city is always great. Sure. Uh, our conference is from May 22nd to the 24th. Uh, and what we're really excited about is sort of the, the broad-ranging perspective of those who are speaking there. We've got those folks who are business leaders, who are thought-provoking, you know, inspirational speakers. We've got folks who aren't your traditional fare. Uh, and we also have one of the Trump sons who, who will be there to talk a little bit about golf and a little about business operations, not so much about his dad and, and the presidency. But I'm sure occasionally there will be a comment or two made mm-hmm. about that. Sure. Um, but but most importantly, it's it's having those individuals who can provide a broader perspective about leadership. And and that's what we really are excited about when we think about the National Club Conference. It is where leaders meet. Uh, And what we want to do is not not give our our members or our guests uh, the same kind of stuff they may get at other conferences. What we want to do is sort of broaden their perspectives, give them something that's unique and interesting, and hopefully can help them in a leadership capacity Mm -hmm. as they go back to their clubs to to, uh, be successful. So we're really excited about the location. Some of the venues, fun one, uh, we're at the Friars Club for our National Club Conference dinner. So always a fascinating place uh, is the Friars Club. Yeah, that's going to be fun. uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Well, my ticket is bought and paid for, my plane ticket. I'm looking forward to getting there to be with you guys. Thank you so much, Brad, for being on uh, Private Club Radio with me, and we hope to talk to you again next month. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thanks, Gabe. Take care. To learn more about the National Club Association, please visit nationalclub.org. Great stuff from Brad there. I always enjoying his take on what's happening up in Washington. And I'm really looking forward to that conference next month at the end of the month in May. Definitely the Friars Club, I think, will be the highlight of my year. So looking forward to that. I hope to see you there. I'll be doing some private club radio live from their conference. So it should be a really fun time. All right, next up is Mr. Ricky Potts. So we're standing here on the ninth hole of the gold course at Tiburon. I'm here with Ricky Potts, Director of Digital Marketing. This is a Troon property, Ricky. And you are fresh from Scottsdale, Arizona. You just got out here in December to Naples, Florida. Tell me about that transition. What was the difference? What's it like being out here in Florida? So the transition was actually fun for me. Uh, I kept hearing in the corporate office, I want to be a general manager. And they kept saying, get to the field, get to the field. And 
when I raised my hand and said I wanted to go to the field, it was it was a bit of a process I didn't expect, but it was one that I learned a lot from and the transition was was really fun to be able to just literally pick up two weeks later and be in another state at a property that's managed by Troon, still be a part of the Troon family, working with a new leadership team. Kevin DiDonato, who is our general manager here, is one of the best in our portfolio. And to be able to work with him on a daily basis is just something that you can't put a price tag on. That's extremely valuable to my growth. And he gets that and he knows that. And just the way that we communicate on a daily basis shows that. And that's just an homage to what the Troon brand is all about, both from a property level. This is one of the best clubs in the state of Florida. And then to be able to have a team around us with both Kevin, the director of golf, uh, Chad Nigro, who's actually been at the property for several years. And it's just a fantastic property. And to have the Ritz relationship with the Ritz Carlton on property, it doesn't get any better than this. It is a fantastic property, beautiful terracotta roofs throughout, and the course is in perfect condition. Now, you are just getting this back up to speed. So this course had been a little bit run down, and when Troon took it over, what was that like? How has the transition been, and what sort of things are you guys changing around here? So when Troon took on this property September 1st of 2016, they brought in Jeff Cathy from Colonial as the director of agronomy. He is fantastic and has done an unbelievable job with the gold course. We were finishing the remastering of the gold course when Troon took over. So that was kind of a fresh start from that perspective. Jeff and his team have turned the black course into such an amazing facility that our members are asking, wait a minute, why are you going to remaster the black? It's as good as it's ever been, but we're only going to make it better. And we have to embrace the fact that it was bad. It wasn't, I'm not going to say our fault that it was bad, but we take the, the blame for that. And we apologize where we can, and we try to make things right. Whether you have a bad experience in the restaurant, we want to invite you in to have the experience that we strive for with every guest. Or if you had a bad experience three years ago at the property, we as Troon want to make sure that everybody that's here has an unbelievable and unforgettable experience, whether it was three years ago and we're making up for it, or it's their first time stepping foot on this property. I want to talk a little bit about that. So I want to talk about reputation management because I did see some online posts from three or four years ago when the property before Troon took over and you had some issues. I saw that you've actually been addressing those issues. So let's talk about clubs that need to manage their reputation online. What sort of things should you be watching out for and how should you address concerns that the public or past members actually have at your club? You have to embrace those. You have to admit those. You can't take those personal and you have to respond to those. You have to be actively listening, whether it's from the past or whether it's starting now and going forward to those online reviews. And there are people that that play this course that have had a bad experience and leave their review or that have a great experience and don't. But we have to make sure that any chance that we can touch a golfer digitally or somebody that's had a bad experience and they tell us while they're here to be able to learn from that and to be able to grow and to help make sure they don't have that experience again. And if we don't hear about a problem, whether it's something to do with course conditions or whether it's something to do with pace of play, then we're not going to be able to address those. Again, going back to what I was saying, we didn't have anything to do with the course conditions three years ago. But we are here now, and we have to embrace the fact that someone did. And if they have something that they want to tell us, they want to give us that feedback, then we're going to take that with open arms, and we're going to try to make sure that they see the facility at the level that it is now and hope that they never have anything but a perfect experience the next time that they come here and in the future. Yeah, I've seen a lot of clubs that just ignore those bad reviews. I think that's always a bad approach. So let's talk about actually tracking what's happening online and doing that listening 
That's social listening online. Where is a good place for people to start kind of checking out, hey, what are, what are people saying about my club? Well, obviously, places like Yelp and TripAdvisor and Google reviews are more popular than ever. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you just have to be on all of them. And it's not a matter of being on them and posting content to them as much as just reading what people are saying and responding in a timely manner. Now, if somebody left a review in 2014 and I responded now, well, I'm responding because we're here now and I wasn't able to see and respond to that review in 2014. But any facility needs to be aware of those. They need to embrace those. And if the review is completely unjustified, that's okay. Embrace it, apologize, accept the responsibility, and do whatever you can to make sure that that golfer gets whatever he or she thinks is going to make up for that and to the next time that they're here that they have the experience that you're trying to provide to every member and guest at your property. You're a digital marketing guy, Ricky. Let's talk about some trends that are happening. You've got a golf uh, group, I believe, on Google that has, is it over 30,000 people on it? Uh, just, just shy of that, just over 25,000. So what are your secrets to building a community online like that? I started it, and it's actually funny. I started it, called it golf, and said, let's see what happens. And I had 10 members and 12 members and 20 members, and I was excited to see where it would go and how it would grow. It grew to the point when it hit 100, I was excited. I'm going to hit 1,000. And it's a matter of just continuously providing good quality content to the members and encouraging those members to engage with one another. The same, quite frankly, is at a property. You want your membership to play with other members and to play with their guests, and that's kind of how I feel the community is, is, has been formed and the success that we've seen. And, and talking about digital marketing trends, I think video is as big of a deal as anything. Um, podcasting is also something that I'm very personally into from a listener's perspective. But thanks to you, I might be getting more into podcasting in terms of the video show that I host each week on YouTube. And the trends that are happening with things like Snapchat and Instagram stories and so forth, that's not necessarily a trend that's just something that's here and here now and snapchat in my opinion snapchat has never been valuable from a club's perspective because there's no trackability in terms of the content being shared there but we could spend an entire hour talking about trends of facebook alone let alone trends as as the space the space exists but it's something that i i pride just being in personally using the networks using the tools and being able to translate those to how they're used to drive rounds and revenue at the property a lot of clubs are concerned with privacy. So they say we're a private club and our members want to stay exclusive. I mean, we're sitting here at one of the most exclusive properties in the country. What would be your answer to folks that have that in their mindset that social media is going to ruin the private club experience? Social media is the way we communicate. And it's not just about how we communicate from one person to the next or communicate to businesses. And that's to a private club just being accessible through that medium. Okay. Well, maybe I don't want to call you. Maybe I don't want to email you. Maybe I want to send you a message on Facebook. You need to be there and be aware of that, but also about telling your story. Bill O'Brien, former general manager at Madeira's golf club has always been an advocate of, of the story. And, and he, he tooted my horn a little bit, um, several times about telling me how well I helped tell the story of Troon when I was in the corporate office. And now it's really cool to be at a property level telling the story of what it's like to experience, whether you're a member for a day here or whether you're a member here and you play here four or five days a week. And, you know, talking about the privacy side of it, you can get away with 
keeping those exclusive things exclusive. We are in a situation at Tiburon where we have 18 holes every day that's for members and members only. We're doing members only events, but then we have a restaurant that's open to both members and the public. We also have an 18 hole course that's open every day to the public. So we walk that line right down the middle where on one side, it's all private club members. And on the other side, it's all daily fee resort guests. So it's very tough, but also challenging and exciting to be able to walk that fine line to see how we keep both sides of that happy. And what we do with our digital marketing, it's just about being present, being aware, and talking about the things that make us great. And it's two championship golf courses. It's the Ritz-Carlton, both on the beach and here at the golf resort. It's Sydney's Pub with an unbelievable menu with our executive chef, Brent Moore. And the list just goes on. And every day, I'm honored to be able to help share that story with our members and guests. It sounds like there's a lot of stories to tell. Now, social media, some people get caught up in thinking that it's just putting a message out there all the time, right? Telling, telling a story, putting on information, and they really forget that social media should be two-sided. And I think you guys do a great job on the listening side of, of the equation. Talk to me a little bit about what it's like to have a two-way conversation on social media and how do you do that right? 100% of the time, if someone leaves a comment whether it's positive or negative, anywhere that we as Tiburon can respond. And it was the same with Trone and would recommend to all facilities that are out there listening to do that, whether it's positive or negative. Don't take the negative negative comments personal. Respond to them. Apologize whether you were whether the review or the comment was justified. Just this week, we had a lady that had had dinner here a few weeks ago, didn't tell anyone while she was here that she had a negative experience, found it on a private group on Facebook that our executive chef brought to me, found it, took it, reached out to her, and we're making it right by inviting her and a guest to come back to have a meal. She never expected that. I think she was taken aback when we found that and reached out to her, but we were listening to what she was saying. Did she have a negative experience? I'm not sure, but we're going to make it right by buying her a meal to make sure she doesn't have a negative experience again. What kind of content are you seeing that you mentioned video, but what other types of things are you seeing that's really shareable that people are really connecting to these days? Nothing beats Twitter. I'm still Twitter is one of my favorite networks and will be for the foreseeable future. One of the things that I meant to say a little bit ago is talking about the privacy aspect and how clubs are using and members are using. They use it for a news source just as much as they use it for anything, but at the same time, I think Instagram is more popular than ever. It's fun to use. It's an exciting network to use. It's not hard to engage with Instagram. And members, um, users of that network are growing for a reason because it's a very easy network to be able to use. You just double tap and you can engage with somebody with a picture or a bit. And you can make a bad picture look good with the number of filters that you can put on, on Instagram. But. Everyone's a professional these days using Instagram. It's true. So I think a really underutilized thing with private clubs right now is Facebook and their pay-per-click marketing, where you can actually target people, people who are golfers, people who have a certain income. Let's talk about how niched down and how granular you can get with Facebook advertising. Oh, it's unbelievable. So any club that's doing private events, weddings, specifically weddings, imagine a club. So let's say that we wanted to run a campaign for weddings. We wanted it to run to people within a 25-mile radius of the club. We want them to have been recently engaged within the last six months that have an average annual income of $75,000 or more per year that are female, that are this, that, and you can get so unbelievably targeted that it's almost, well, there's no way that I'm going to get any reaction from that because it's so targeted. <laughs> and it's almost creepy. <laughs> yes, it is creepy. That is for sure. But what it does is that you get less visibility, but you get a more targeted 
demographic. So if you get a wedding referral out of that, the chances are it's going to be a legitimate wedding referral than versus throwing a wide net onto 50,000 people that may not be getting married, that may not even have an interest in getting married at your property, or may not even be able to afford to get married at your property. And the ability to spend those dollars from a digital marketing perspective in the right places at the right times for the right need, Facebook is at this time the way to go and the place to be. And you're only paying for actual results. That's what I love about it. So when you're talking about doing one of these campaigns, what sort of posts really resonate with, let's go ahead and use the, let's go ahead and say brides, people who are looking to get married. What kind of stuff would you be posting if you were looking to have more wedding revenue for your club? You have to look at clubs that are doing it already and that are doing it well, and then try to mirror their types of content. And I, before spending money, would challenge anybody to see what engagement is like without spending the dollars to then base that decision off of what is already being engaged with. We know that our club is more busy Monday through Friday. So are we going to spend money during Monday through Friday to drive rounds in revenue? Potentially no, because we'd rather try to fill those spots on Saturdays and Sundays. Same thing with weddings. If you see that right now with weddings, and I don't know what's popular in that space right now, but find out what is, write content that's not boosted, that you're not dedicating dollars to, see how that engagement is, and then spend some dollars to watch that engagement grow, and then learn and consider A-B testing once you've defined that. So A-B test what does work, what doesn't work, and then spend the dollars in the right place. And when you start seeing revenue generated from the dollars that you're spending, take that money that you've created, the additional revenue, and invest it right back into Facebook. So if I if I spend 100 and make 1000 I got $900 of profit that I can then go back and reinvest into Facebook. And what you were able to drive with $100, imagine what that's going to be able to drive with $900 spent in advertising. Let's talk about a club that just wants to get started. Maybe they have no social media presence, haven't been doing anything. Where would you have them start, Ricky? Facebook and Twitter. Just be there. Start posting, start engaging, start utilizing Facebook and Twitter search to find people in your area talking about things. We engage a lot here. We have a lot of real estate at Tiburon and inside of Naples. So we have a lot of engagement with people about real estate. So we'll follow realtors. We'll talk to realtors about things that they're doing and the things that they're interested in in hopes that they'll then drive their business to Tiburon. If they can help sell a house inside of Tiburon, maybe they can help sell a membership inside of Tiburon as well. Let's talk about mistakes. There's People are making mistakes all the time on social media and in their digital marketing. What's the number one mistake that you see private clubs making? Not using the networks that are available to them and not being as active and as personable as they would be if somebody walked onto their property. I think that the biggest thing for us is is sheer transparency, that if we made a mistake, we're going to admit it and we're going to embrace it and we're going to fix it and we're going to help make it right for the next person. And if you ignore it or dust it off or you... Don't leave review. Don't leave comments to reviews, or you don't respond when somebody asks a question. You know, a big topic with membership is response time, and this is something that you've touched on just recently, as a matter of fact, and how fast you should respond to someone. And and when I worked in a former life at Gannett Incorporated, we had a forty-eight hour response time via emails and a twenty-four hour via phone calls. Well, if you reach out to me at six o'clock in the evening and I'm sitting down at dinner, I've got my phone on me, so I can respond immediately, and that's not that it's expected. But it's getting to the point that we as a society start to expect that. So if I send a message to a club asking a question or trying to confirm something and it takes you three or four days to respond, you're missing the, you're missing the boat on that. And the ability to be transparent about what you offer and what you can provide is, is setting the expectation from the get-go 
and not every club is for everyone and not every place the same way every restaurant i'm not a big fan of italian food so if we're going to an italian restaurant i'm not excited about that so just embracing that and being transparent and is, is something that needs to be looked more seriously from a club perspective you're not an italian food guy but you are a craft beer guy so let's talk about what you're doing with craft beer here at tiburon maybe give some folks out there some of their own ideas to do at their own clubs yeah i like craft beer that's for sure and speaking of italian craft beer they've got a lot of craft beer in italy um so one of the things that we've done we have a beer that is brewed for us and us alone it's the tiburon red it's a red ale our members love it it's a good beer to drink in uh in the summertime after a round of golf and then once i got to property i noticed that we only had three beers on tap well we have a lot of local brewing companies especially where you are in tampa is just a budding craft beer scene we have five here in naples bonita springs area so we got a cooler, three new beers on tap. They're going to rotate. They're always going to be local, and that's just the way it's going to be. We have flights available, and we're going to do a beer dinner with membership here before the end of the season and just continuously utilizing our ability to provide unique things, be it craft beer, that maybe somebody's like, oh, I only drink Bud Light. Well, we've got Bud Light on tap, but if you want to expand your horizons and try something new, and then that's going to allow us as Tiburon to reach out and work with local breweries. So maybe they want to host a, a summertime scramble with their staff. Well, now they've got a connection to a club that's going to be able and willing and eager to accommodate that. And it just, it kills a lot of birds with one stone because it gives us the ability to provide something extra for our members and us to potentially drive rounds in revenue with a space that we might not have been able to touch prior. Well, this is my favorite hole after the game of golf that we just played. So we're at the 19th hole here at Tiburon. Now, when we talk about private clubs and and golf, obviously things are changing. So our clubs are becoming more family oriented and people just really want other things. What are you seeing out there as the hot button issues for people that are looking to join a club? I think fitness is a big proponent of private clubs. I think, you know, for, for the female population, we have a huge, huge number of females that play here at Tiburon. They like they have in the spa, they have access to massages and they have, they can do spa days if they don't want to play golf. And also the ability for a club to put together creative extra curricular activities that it's not just golf. Like one of the things that we've done here, I mean, a handful of things we've done trivia night where we just have the pub open, we do a buffet and we have trivia. We, uh, during our men's member invitational, we're going to have a trip where we're taking, taking the, the wives across the, across the state and we're going to go on a shopping day. So we're going to be at Sawgrass Mills for, for shopping for the day. Um, we're doing for, this was so funny. We, the week before St. Patrick's day, we had nothing planned. And somebody said, should we do something for St. Patrick's day? And we're sitting in a meeting with our F and B team and, yeah, let's do corned beef and cabbage, and let's do Guinness, and let's do green beer. And an idea that went from zero to hero, we had 85 covers that night. We sold more corned beef than I can imagine, and we sold about three cases of Guinness, bottles of wine crazy, and it was just because we had an event. They want to be included. They want to be here. You're a member at the club, and we try to include them as much as possible. But I think fitness is the biggest next thing, next big thing, and, and just the ability to have unique creative events our chef did a cooking class about two weeks ago and that cooking class sold out in a matter of minutes so much that he's going to be doing another one and i was there for it and he was just hands in everybody had a station and they were making the items with them they turned it into a meal that they ate what they cooked there was wine and it was just a fun afternoon that's just something that's creative that we can then the members that didn't get to go well i want to go i want to do it so they we're doing another cooking class for those members very cool. Now, I want to ask you about that shopping trip. So is it something where the guys play golf while the ladies are shopping? 
Exactly. So the guys are playing the men, the men's invitational. It's they're going to be here all day. They're doing eighteen holes and then a dinner after. And the ladies are getting on a bus. We're going to charter through Naples Transport. We work closely with them on a lot of transportation to and from the club with members and guests. And we're going to just get a bus and we're going to take them across the across the way to Sawgrass Mills. And the ladies just going to have a day of shopping. Oh, my wife would love something like that. <laughs> I love that idea. Something for everyone. I think that's that's the point. That's that's where you have to get creative and do something outside the box. What's the most unique outside the box idea you've done here so far in your time? You know, I I think just getting new craft beers on tap. You know, wine is obviously a big thing at private clubs and wine lists. We have a very impressive wine list at Sydney's Pub here at Tiburon. And we added a couple of beers to to our our tap list and doing beer dinners. So we're going to do a beer dinner. One of the cool things we're working on right now, this might be the coolest thing that we're going to do this season. We have a concert. We're going to do, we're hosting a country band. We have a country singer songwriter that's going to be opening up for that. We're going to, I told you about the gentleman that, that our director of building maintenance built a church. He's going to build a stage for a country show. We're going to have a red out here on our front lawn. We're going to invite people to the Ritz. So it's going to be open to members and guests. We're going to do a VIP upstairs, outside, above the stage, so to speak, for the for members only. It's going to be an open bar, and we're going to have some hors d'oeuvres for them. We're going to have some um, uh, food vendors from local, just um, like food truck vendors. We're going to have a cotton candy machine. We're going to have bars with with beer and whiskey and just what you would expect at a country concert. And that idea literally started last week. Hey, let's do something in april okay what are we gonna do and that's how the ideas come and you know i always hear people say what kind of a schedule do you have do you live by a a daily schedule of what's coming up on tuesdays or fridays etc no and if you do that's fine if it works for your club but we can't because the ideas can start with something as little as hey what's what are we doing for kentucky derby well let's do something let's have it on the big screen let's let's do a meal let's do you know mint juleps on special or whatever that looks like because those ideas then can lead to next year to where we do something maybe a little bit bigger and better and but the the country concert is going to be good we're going to do 20 dollars tickets so it'll make it affordable to people we're going to promote it all over naples and this place will be rocking country music in uh later this this uh spring i like that idea because it's a way to get the local community who's not members involved get them over to the club and experience a, a little piece of it and just have fun. And then, yeah, you've got your private spot for the members. That's a perfect idea. That's That was excellent. One more thing that we're doing. So we have 18 holes on our practice putting green here at Tiburon. When I first started, actually my very first day here, I counted the cups because, cool, it's a gigantic putting green. How many cups are there? I counted 18, and I said, what do we do with that during low utilization? So I asked our director of golf, and he says, well, nothing. Why? Okay, let's find a way to use that. Got our Callaway representative. Callaway is Truant's preferred club vendor for the United States. He came in, we sat down, showed him the putting green, and I said, what about this? What if on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whatever, whatever that looks like, we put scorecards in the Ritz-Carlton in the rooms. They get out, move from 3 to 5 when the restaurant's open until 8, so from 3 to 5 or 3 to 7 while there's still daylight. They come over, they play an 18-hole putting course. Well, they get their chance to win a free Callaway putter or a free staff bag or whatever that looks like each month. Well, then they got to turn their scorecard in at the pub. Well, now we're going to have an F&B special. Let's do buy one, get one free Tiburon Reds or whatever that looks like. So now they get from the Ritz, they get to the golf course, that they're staying on top of. The main, they might not even be golfers, but imagine a, a man and a woman and their two kids that are not going to play golf and need something to do on a Thursday night. Well, let's go play the Tiburon putting course. Get some over here, it drives revenue, and if it drives one pint of beer sold, and it introduces one person to the game of golf, then that space that's literally empty gets utilized for the better, and it helps grow the game of golf. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. I was just about to say is that getting the kids out there to experience golf in a fun way in a no 
judgment zone and just a way to relax and enjoy the, an evening with the family. Love that idea, Ricky. That's excellent. Let's talk about the, the new trend, which is building short courses and alternative golf courses. So I think it's, it is a trend and it's something that I'm excited to see. You're starting to see uh, Forest Dunes did that. Not as much of a short course. They built the loop at Forest Dunes. So you play it one way today, you play it the opposite way tomorrow. That's in that same vein. Auction Southern Dunes Golf Club in Maricopa, Arizona did a six-hole short course in the floor of their driving range. They called it Hashtag Mini Dunes, which is awesome. So it's got a hashtag in it. It's the only rule at Hashtag Mini Dunes is there are no rules. So come out with a 12-some and play. You don't have to wear shoes. You can just have a good time. And they, they clean-pick their range every day at 2 o'clock. And at 3 o'clock, it's open to play on Hashtag Mini Dunes. You see foot golf is something that's more popular in a lot of our foreign facilities um, especially in like the Dominican Republic and places where soccer is more popular than it is in the United States and we have some clubs that have implemented foot golf courses so Allo Golf Club in Tucson Arizona has a six-hole foot golf course under the lights so now it's completely open to any play during the day and then you also have the ability to use it at night for special events and you're starting to see a lot of courses um, the Jack's Place in uh, I've not been there, but he just opened um, a short course as well at um, I blanking on the name. And you're just seeing a lot of places that are starting to do that. And I think that that's, that's a really cool idea to help get people on the course that either don't have the time or think that it takes too much time to play 18 holes of golf. Sewalo also has a six-hole loop. Just the way their course is laid out, they have, they've built a six-hole loop. They've branded it as a trune fit walking loop. So you can go out and you can play six holes. You walk. You don't impact play. And it's just a cool, different utilization of their space. And and I think that you're going to see more and more of that as people try to find ways to get more people onto the course for a shorter amount of time in a busy world that we live in. That's exactly the thing is we live in the busy, over-sensitized world. I would love to just do three holes personally. Go after work on a Wednesday night and a Thursday night, do three holes, be home for dinner with my wife and my kids. And I think that would be the way to go. So. Love those ideas. Thanks, Ricky. Last question. If there's one place that you could play, what's number one on your bucket list? Now, is it a course that I've played? Because there's a lot of courses that I've played that I'd like to play, but I think that the next course is the number one course in my bucket list. The next course that I haven't played is what I want to play next. The same way, what is your favorite beer? It's the next beer that I'm going to drink because I'm in the moment and I try to live in the moment. Yeah, I could say something fun like Kapalua or or St. Andrews and go play the old course, which I hope to play later this year. But I think that if I get the opportunity to swing a club and to be outside on green grass, that that's what I'm looking for. And the, the next the next course that I play is going to be the next course on the top of my bucket list. Well, I appreciate the hospitality you've shown me here in Naples, Florida, and I hope our listeners can actually come out and check out Tiburon because it really is a beautiful property and well worth a visit. Thanks, Ricky, for being on Private Club Radio. Thank you. Just to give you some perspective, the wind was howling there at Tiburon all day. I think I shot a million, probably close to it anyways. It was very tough conditions, about 30 miles an hour, but that is a one first class golf course, wonderful property that they have there. Really enjoyable time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Private Club Radio, and I hope you'll come back here next week for another edition. We're going to get back into food and beverage in our little series that we're doing as I was up in Kiwa Island for the Golf Kitchen Dinner. Stay tuned for that one next week. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by the Private Club Agency, the premier marketing and consulting firm dedicated to helping clubs increase and retain their membership. 
Visit privateclubagency.com to learn more.